Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Mariana Thinks Food. I hope you have all had an amazing summer. Now that we're in September, summer is over, unfortunately, and we're approaching wintertime. Winter is coming. Thankfully, the fall brings on new foods, so we can experiment and have a whole new variety in our diets. Today's program revolves around fat. Fat, baby, it's so good. I will go through my research on what fats are, what happens when we eat them, where we find them, and how much we should eat of them. Fats are a macronutrient, one of the three main nutrients we talk about. Carbohydrates, proteins, and fats are the three main micronutrients. Fats are lipids biologically composed of carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, and are insoluble in water. Fats are substances that help the body absorb vitamins, such as A, D, E, and K. They help digest food and maintain a feeling of being satisfied. They are also the body's choice of energy storage, a gold bar of sorts. It keeps us warm, cushions our organs, and even helps us be waterproof. How cool is that? Imagine going for a swim and swelling up with water. That would be funny. Fat is present in many foods, in different shapes, as saturated, solid at room temperature, unsaturated, polyunsaturated, and monounsaturated, which are liquid at room temperature, and trans fats. Whatever you want it to be, it will be. Therefore, you should stay away. In Europe, there is no real regulation on these trans fats, but most companies have pledged to not have more than 2% of their products be composed of trans fats. In the U.S., on the other hand, there has been regulation, but it still hasn't banned trans fats altogether. And where my research has led a particular alarm is in Eastern Europe. If you live in this area, you should look out. Trans fats are cheaper and more shelf-stable than other healthier fats, so if not forced by the consumer, regulator, or a company's mission, it is in a company's financial interest to use trans fats. Now on to the nitty-gritty. The fat we consume is mostly digested in the small intestine through the action of an enzyme called lipase, produced by the pancreas. The rest is accounted for by a lipase in the stomach. Like our protein friends and their essential amino acids, fats have essential fatty acids. These are fats that need to be consumed because our bodies cannot create them. Two essential fatty acids are linoleic acid and alpha-linolenic acid. Super different names. It's like calling twins stuart and astuart. But I digress. Linoleic acid and linolenic acid are used by the body to make other fatty acids and fatty acid derivatives. The major dietary sources of linoleic acids are vegetable oils like those of soybean and olive oil, sunflower seeds, pine nuts, among others. Linolenic acid is present in flax seeds, soybeans, pumpkin seeds, walnuts, and their respective oils, as well as in tofu. As we continue to talk about fats, we come up with these buzzwords that I'm sure you've heard about. Omega-3 fatty acids and cholesterol. Why are they important? The three main omega-3 fatty acids are alpha-linoleic acid, abbreviated to ALA. Remember the twins, Stuart and Astuart. Then there is eicoaspentaenoic acid, shortened as EPA, and docosahexaenoic acid, shortened for DHA. I will continue using the abbreviations because I do not want to film that again. So they are important components of our cells, cell membranes, eyes, brains, and for you men out there, your sperm. DHA might sound familiar to you. It rang a bell for me. I had heard it in 
baby formula commercials as a good thing to have. They are also promoted in prenatal supplements. Little do people know, they just need to increase their consumption of foods high in omega-3 fatty acids, and they're good to go. Eat more fatty fish such as salmon, mackerel, and nuts and seeds such as flax seeds, walnuts, and chia seeds. Easy. Avoid the need for supplements and help your body. There is no doubt that consuming foods that are high in omega-3 fatty acids are good for you. We went over earlier that these same foods have essential fatty acids we cannot produce. Nevertheless, there has been a lot of hype and confusion out in the world. There have been research studies showing that people consuming more omega-3 fatty acids as compared to general population have a lower risk of getting heart disease. This all started with the Inuit people in Greenland. Researchers noticed that they were quite healthy, even though they consumed large amounts of fat. It was just fish fat. People then took these results and started an omega-3 craze, promoting supplements and the consumption of fatty fish. Decades later, some researchers tried another study, and they failed, and went back to the Inuit people to see what allows them to digest more fat than other people. That led to a conversation on genetics and natural selection. Apparently, most of the Inuit people have a genetic predisposition to digest more fat. This doesn't mean omega-3s aren't good for us. But don't go all crazy taking fish oil supplements. Include fatty fish, seeds, nuts, and cold-pressed vegetable oils in your diet without guilt. Just pay attention if your body adapts well to them or not. Moreover, a study by researchers at the Harvard School of Public Health revealed that swapping saturated fats and carbohydrates for linoleic acid, which is found in omega-3-rich foods such as vegetable oils, nuts, and seeds, may help lower the risk of coronary heart disease, heart disease being a leading killer in the U.S. and around the globe. This study focused on saying that it is not only the reduction or removal of saturated fats from our diets that will help us improve, but the focus on not substituting them with carbs, but with foods rich in linoleic acid that not only provide good-for-you polyunsaturated fats, but also other nutrients and dietary fiber needed for a healthier diet. And with that, let's transition to the other buzzword, cholesterol. A surprisingly misrepresented fat. Cholesterol comes from the family of sterols. Cholesterol. Who knew? And of the sterols, cholesterol is only found in animal products. Vegans, don't go out getting supplements now. Our bodies actually produce cholesterol too. About two-thirds of the cholesterol in our bodies we produce, and the other one-third is consumed. Why all the hype on cholesterol? Frankly, in my opinion, and I say in my opinion because it's my opinion, there have been studies that have been doctored to provide results that are convenient for the researchers. They have labeled LDL cholesterol, short for low-density lipoprotein, as bad cholesterol, and HDL cholesterol, or high-density lipoprotein, as good cholesterol. This oversimplification has caused a lot of confusion at the moment of reading your lab results. What is more shocking is that countries have established parameters by determining what the average population had in their body rather than what the optimal level was for each individual. This has led to the unnecessary medication of many people who if you would change certain habits or compare to HDL levels, they would be fine. LDL and HDL go hand in hand. You should not read the results in isolation. Too much LDL can cause your arteries to clog because your body is not getting rid of it as quickly as it should. This phenomenon has been attributed to genetics rather than dietary cholesterol. 
What does that mean? Well, you might be eating really healthily and still have high LDL cholesterol because genetically you cannot get rid of it as quickly as you would like. Add to that an excessively inflammatory diet containing high fat foods and you're not helping your cause. Moral of the story, you might have high LDL cholesterol levels because of your genetics and thus you should take more care of the one third of cholesterol you consume and consume more foods high in dietary fiber that can help you in cholesterol digestion. Now that we know a little bit more about fats, how much should we consume? Well, recommendations for dietary fat in most countries are to limit fat intake to 30 to 35% of your total calorie intake. This is subjective. I have seen nutritionists say more or less depending on individual needs. This is your journey. Try to figure out what works best for you. If you were to follow the 30% recommendation and you consume 2,000 calories a day, that would look somewhere along the lines of 600 calories. One gram of fat has nine calories. This means you could eat around 67 grams of fat. In food, that roughly looks like 67 grams of olive oil, shocking, which is about five tablespoons of oil. Or in fatty fish, such as salmon, 400 grams of uncooked salmon. You have a lot to work with here. You can include nuts, oils, eggs, fatty fish, and even butter throughout the day and still keep within the guidelines. Just think about your overall consumption and how your body reacts to it. If you're looking for online sources to get more information, there are tons. A lot of governments provide guidelines, but these might be tainted. I was actually quite surprised with the U.S. dietary guidelines. They even have a series of pictures to help people empower them to make food swaps. Instead of a high-calorie snack, it swaps it for a high-nutrient snack. Hummus, for instance, has both tahini and olive oil, healthy fats. This way of looking at mealtime is what I am all about. Look for foods that nourish you, and the health bit will come as a consequence. Going into specifics about what we should consume, well, there's a wide range. Eat a lot of diversity, and that's the key to health. Salmon, mackerel, tuna, avocado, flaxseed, pumpkin seed, soybeans, to name a few, and many more. The Mediterranean diet follows the principles of a healthy fats diet. Lots of fish, nuts, olives, and olive oil. When buying oil, I beg you, please, buy cold-pressed oils. Cold-pressed oils ensure that the nutrients are there. Oils that are not cold-pressed are produced using large amounts of force and heat that change the chemical structures in the food. Therefore, what you put in your body is not as good as what you think it is. Keep your food choices as close to the food's natural state as possible. Highly processed foods tend to be more energy-dense and less nutrient-dense, which means that they have a lot of calories for the amount of nutrients they have. This happens because parts that make some of the food so nutritious are removed because they spoil, and you wouldn't be able to have it on a grocery shelf for a few months. Then, since you have to take some of the tasty nutritious stuff out, they have to put other stuff in. And can you imagine what they put in? So conclusion, natural is better. Today's conversation about fats has been extensively researched. I have spent weeks watching tutorials and I'm doing this online certificate in nutrition and I looked at the chemical compositions and the carbon chains and it's a lot. Uh, here I just told you kind of a breakdown of the need to know, actions you can take now, and the things that are really important. Essential fatty acids which your body cannot consume and whenever you can choose unsaturated fats 
as opposed to saturated fats, mostly because your body can deal with them better. It has been great having you in my audience today. I am learning so much every day and I hope you are too. This is so much information out here, but hey, the conclusion is simple and clear. Food closest to its natural state is always best. Eat a lot of plants and seeds and focus on quality over quantity. And with that, we conclude. Thank you and have a great week.